Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Glad you guys could be here. Is anyone excited to be in the building today at nine o'clock? Man, I'm going to listen. I know it's early, but I'm going to get us up today. So uh, if you guys don't mind standing for a moment, I want to get into the word today. Hebrews chapter four is where we are. It's going to be on the screen uh, behind us and online. It should be right below me. Hebrews chapter 4 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Come on, somebody. Uh, I want to call our message today through the looking glass through the looking glass. Hey, can we put our hands together? You guys can find your seats this morning. And as you find your seat, can you turn to the person next to you and say, get up. Come on, somebody. Is there anyone that uh, just loves being at church early? Is there someone that's like pumped, like I've been waiting for the 9 a.m.? Come on. Hey, so glad you guys could be here. This is actually our first ever 9 a.m., and I've been saying it for the weeks leading up, 9 a.m. is the blessed service. So you guys are about to be blessed today. Uh, We are in the the beginning of a month that is jam-packed here at church. September is jam-packed, and not only is the whole month packed, but the next seven days are jammed-packed. We have 21 days of prayer starting tomorrow uh, and yeah, 6.30 a.m. I can't wait to see you all there. But uh, next Sunday is like, it's a jam-packed Sunday because we have Vision Sunday next Sunday. We have Baptism Sunday next Sunday. And we have groups launching next Sunday, which, listen, you need to get into a group. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to take you all the way to the end of my message today because I have an appeal. I'm starting with the appeal, and I'm going to end with the appeal. You want to know what it is? Get in a group. That's my appeal. So that's a spoiler alert for how this thing's going to end today. Get into a group. Now, what I want to do today is I want to talk all about the Bible. So I brought my big Bible up here. I usually, I usually just steal Chase's Bible when I'm at church, but I brought my Bible today because I'm talking all about the Bible. And if you guys are a part of our church community, you will know that I always talk um, from the Bible. And today is no different. I'm going to talk from the Bible, but I also want to talk about the Bible. And I'm going to talk about the Bible from the Bible. I know, kind of confusing, but that's where we're going today. And so uh, I would just wager to guess if I were to ask the people in this room, and you know what? I want us to take notes today and I want us to be able to see each other. So uh, Josh, can we get a little dim on the lights in the back so we can just can, we can see everyone this morning and everyone can see their notepads as they take uh, incredible notes this morning. 
Um, but uh, if I were to wager to guess, most people in this room, especially because like it's 9 a.m., so again, you guys are the holy, blessed people, I would wager to guess that most people in this room would say uh, something to the extent of, like, I believe that it's important to read the Word. I think most of us would probably say it's important to read the Bible. Again, if you're new, maybe you're not quite there yet. That's okay. But if I were to add a follow-up question, and you don't have to raise your hands, but if you want to, you can. I'm not the boss of you. But I would wager to guess that a lot of us would say, although I know it's important to get into the Word, I would like to get into the Word, but a lot of us would say I struggle to get into it. If I were to ask that follow-up question, I would, I would wager to guess that a lot of us would say, although I know it's important I kind of struggle to get in it. Now, as I just mentioned, next week is Vision Sunday, and I'm really excited to just share the vision I believe that God has for us as a church. But before we get to the new vision, I want to just go backwards to our vision that we've had for this entire year. Uh, And if you are part of our church community, I hope that you know our vision for this last year, the word that God gave us was deeper. We felt that God was just calling us as a church to go deeper, to get deeper into communion, deeper into community. And one of the things before we go into our next vision, into our new vision, I want to give us one last tool to help us go deeper. Because deeper is not like a one year kind of word. It is a forever journey as we, as we long to go deeper into communion with God. And this one practice that I want to give us today, I think is one of the most important things that you can do to grow deeper in communion with God. And that is to have a deep and vibrant relationship with scripture. I believe that one of the ways in which we grow closer to God is a deep love of scripture. Getting into the word is amazing, but we also need a deep love of scripture, but you'll never love it until you first get into it. Now, Some of you may be thinking to yourself, why did I call this message through the looking glass? Through the looking glass. Now, uh, this this may jog something in your brain, but Alice in Wonderland, the second book is called Through the Looking Glass. Now, uh, the the, the book and the cartoon, like the OG cartoon, I'm not going to lie, when I was a kid, kind of scared me. Like, I don't like cats in the best of times. I definitely didn't like the cat. In Alice in Wonderland. So I've never seen the second one. I don't even think they made a second one cartoon. I know like the Johnny Depp version has a second one. I haven't seen either of them. But um, online, through the looking glass, uh, one website I was on described uh, the metaphor of through the looking glass. And this is what they said. They said through the looking glass is a metaphor for any time the world suddenly appears unfamiliar. Almost as if things were turned upside down, similar to looking out from the inside of the mirror to find a world that is both recognizable yet turned inside out. So listen to this. Something happens in the second book, which again, I've never read, so I'm going by Wikipedia here. But what happens is Alice goes into the mirror, into the looking glass, and what happens when she walks through is the world there is kind of reversed. Again, almost like you're looking out from inside of a mirror. And so what happens is that like everything's kind of backwards and and reversed. So if you want to get closer to someone, you actually walk away. If you want to stand still, you have to run. Because through the looking glass, although things look familiar, they're also flipped. Does that make sense? And so why I wanted to use this metaphor is because I believe that the same thing happens when God enters into our hearts. The world around us... It looks similar 
but something changes inside of us. Things aren't the way they once were. I don't see things the way that I once did. And what happens when the Holy Spirit enters into our life is that there is a new way in which we view everything. Not some things, not just Sunday morning, but everything. And what happens a lot of times as the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives, things begin to shift, and we have inclinations that we're not supposed to maybe do things the way we did them before, but we don't always have language to the things that we're feeling inside of our hearts. And what I believe Scripture does, and the power of Scripture, is that it gives language to the things that we often feel in our hearts. Because whether you know this or not, every single one of us has a lens through which we view reality. The question I want to ask today is what shapes the way in which we view everything? For some of us, our, our largest influences, our most powerful influences, are our friends. And our friends shape the way that we view the world. For some of us, it's our workplaces or the environments that we find ourselves in. And our environments or culture shape the way that we view the world. For some of us, it's social media. And literally, it is an algorithm that is shaping the way that we view the world. Here's the point. All of us have a perspective. The question I want to ask is what forms it? Now, some of us are saying, Harrison, what does it even matter what you believe? All I know is I love God and I need to love people. And I'd agree. But then I'd ask you, where'd you get that from? All of us believe something. The question is, where does it come from? Here's why it's important. What we believe shapes who we become. What we believe shapes who we become. Ultimately, all of us in this room, we believe something. The question is, what is forming my belief? Because ultimately, that will shape who I become. Now, my heart, for as long as the Lord allows me to lead this church and to lead in ministry, my heart is that Jesus is the one that shapes our perspective. My heart and my hope is that Jesus is the one that shapes our values. The question is, how do I know what Jesus likes? How do I know what Jesus wants me to value? Because a lot of us use that language. I just want Jesus to lead. And again, I, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And, and don't, don't misunderstand me. The Holy Spirit will lead you. And there is a law that is written on our hearts. But at the end of the day, if we're being honest, there are times when life gets kind of nuanced and I need a set of directions to let me know where I'm going next. And I just happen to believe, and for as long as I lead this church, Scripture will be the final authority that lets us know what God wants us to do, what he likes, what he dislikes, how I should view everything from morality to politics to ethics to sexuality to relationships to forgiveness. Everything I want to be formed by Jesus. And I just happen to believe that Jesus is most clearly revealed through Scripture. So what I want to do today is I want to just give us a couple tools on, on and why I think that we need to get into Scripture and ultimately um, why I think that uh, it can be tough to get in Scripture sometimes. Can we go today? We're going to go. Come on, let's go, somebody. Nine o'clock. I, I, I actually feel a little different nine o'clock. So I'm, I'm going to need to get going today. 
Hebrews chapter 4 is where we are. This is where we're starting. I love this verse. The word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. Some people say, Harrison, isn't the Bible old? Isn't it outdated? Harrison, I've read the Bible before. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But I'm going to let the word speak for itself. Is the Bible old? Yeah, it's old, but it's alive and active. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're dead. Come on, somebody. The Word of God is alive and active. So here is the number one reason I want you to get into the Word. It's simply this. There is power in the Word. There's power in the Word. That's my first point this morning. Now, I know there are people in this room, you have testimonies for how the Word of God changed and opened your eyes, and, and I hope you have an amazing story. If you don't, I hope that you have one one day. What I want to do today is I want to just share with you guys how the Bible has changed my life. Can I share that a little bit? So, the Lord changed my life when I was 18 years old, and I was on Christmas break for my first year in university, and I felt the Lord speak to me. Now, at the time, I didn't know it was the Lord speaking. And the reason I didn't know it was the Lord speaking was because I didn't read the Bible. And, and like, if, if you want to understand, like, how does God speak to us? It's through his Holy Spirit. If you want to discern his voice better, I encourage you to get in the Word. So the Lord spoke to me. I didn't know it was him. I kind of just thought it was, like, something I ate. But uh, I felt this inclination and this voice that said, when you go back to school, bring your Bible. And when you get to school, what I want you to do is I want you to read your Bible every day in the morning. And it wasn't this Bible. This is a little bit newer. It was smaller. It was thin. It wasn't a commentary or anything like that. Just a straight Bible. And I brought it to school. And I determined that I was going to follow what I felt, which was to get up every morning and read the Bible. Now, you need to understand, I didn't necessarily know how to read the Bible. I didn't know hermeneutics, I didn't know context, I didn't know much of anything other than like there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. But it's cool what happens, and I just believe this to be true, whenever you take the first step in obedience, God does this thing where he brings the next step to you. And so I took the first step, which is to bring my Bible and determined to wake up. I woke up for a couple of days and it was really, really hard. Then I met some guy in the hallway and he said, hey, I'm starting a Bible study at 7 a.m., do you wanna join? And I said, that's really cool because I'm trying to wake up early and I'm struggling. And so what happened was a small group of guys, what we did every single morning, we woke up at 7 a.m., we went to the basement in our dorms, and we studied the book of Proverbs. And the craziest thing happened as we began to study this book. Every single day, it felt like it was speaking directly to me. And every single morning, my mind was being blown. And I was like, how does this thing know what I'm going through? Like, this book is so old. How does it know? And I remember every single day, because I was like, I'm like 18. I was like, man, if I knew some of this stuff when I was in high school, I wouldn't have been such an idiot. And I didn't know it was happening because I didn't know Hebrews 4.12. I didn't know that the word was alive and active. And so every single morning when we were reading it, it was confirming the promise of Hebrews chapter 4 that the word is alive and active. Like, I'll never forget, because we're, listen, we're in college. And like, I know 7 a.m. isn't that early, but when you're in college, 7 a.m. is like 4 a.m. in real life. Right? Because you're going to bed like 12, 1. And I remember like, all of us are struggling to wake up. We want to get up early, but we're struggling. And then I remember we read Proverbs chapter 6 one day. And it says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? 
It says, it says, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will strike. And, and I remember when we read that, we were all like, oh my gosh, how does the word know that we're tired? Like, how does it know this? Because it's alive and active. And we, we, we used to always joke with each other. We'd say, a little sleep, a little slumber. Like if someone was struggling, we'd say, a little sleep, a little slumber, get up. And day by day, what happened as we got into the word is that my life was being changed and transformed. And I didn't even see it. I didn't even know it. But I was just in the word. And my mind was being renewed. And I remember when I went home from school, the Lord said, you need to go home. You got to share with your family all that you're doing. And I was like, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So you want to know what I did? I went home to my family and I said, hey, brother, hey, sister. I said, we're going to wake up at 7 in the morning and read the book of Proverbs. And they're like, why do we got to wake up early? None of us work. Like, what do you, why are we? I said, don't ask questions. Meet me in the basement at 7 in the morning. And I want you to understand something. My formula for sharing God has not really changed much since then. I get into the word, and I let the word guide. Listen, I have some stuff. You know, I'm kind of funny sometimes. But what I do not believe I have in and of myself is power. I think the power comes from the word. And so that's what I try to root us in. I want to root our church in it. You see, our cultural issue is this especially in church. A lot of us are around the word, but there's only a few of us in the word. Listen, listen, listen. I grew up in church. I was around the word, but I was never in the word. It's, it's great to be around it. It's great when the Bible's up here. It's a whole lot better when you're in it. Because what happens is if we're not in it, we're being bombarded every single day with ideas, thoughts, values. And what happens is that many of us, especially when we're around the word, we have little pictures of who God is, and we have large pictures of what culture says. And so what happens is this. We take the little things we know about God. God is love. And we take whatever is popular in culture, and we try to fit it in to the little box that says God is love. And what happens is many of us end up treating God like we treat ChatGPT. You guys know what ChatGPT is? Anyone? So, like, if you don't know what ChatGPT is, it's like an AI. Uh, it's kind of like I was thinking about it. If you guys are young enough to remember, some of you guys weren't even born. But anyone remember Ask Jeeves on the Internet? Like, when we were young, that was, like, one of the first things. You would just ask Jeeves questions. Uh, and for like chat GPT, there's a lot that it can do, um, like write all my sermons. But what, <laughs> what most of us do with chat GPT uh, is we just like ask it questions. Now, being the narcissist that we are, most of us go to chat GPT and say like, who is Harrison Chaka? You guys, anyone do that? Now, I, I tested it out and there's only one person in our church famous enough that chat GPT knows who they are and that's Sydney. Um, <laughs> So if you want to know who Sidney Barbeau is, go on ChatGPT and, and he'll let you know. But, you know, being the narcissist that we are, that I am, my first thing was like to ChatGPT was like, who is Harrison Shaka? And ChatGPT claps back and says, Harrison Shaka is not well known, sorry. I don't know who this man is. But there's a thing that you can do is that you can help ChatGPT learn. So you can start to tell ChatGPT 
about that person. So naturally, I start spitting to chat GPT all the facts about Harrison. Well, Harrison's extremely good looking. He's charismatic. Family of six, all this stuff. And the hopes is, as ChatGPT learns, one day someone will ask and then <laughs> ChatGPT will spit all that stuff back. But the point is this, when I say a lot of us treat God like ChatGPT, what I mean is a lot of us, instead of allowing God to reveal who he is, we tell God who he is. You guys ever been there? One line that I love, I think is funny, and sometimes it's true, 99% of times it's not, but <laughs> you guys ever use this one? My God would never. You guys heard that one? Like there, there's some issue, whatever it may be, and it's like, oh, my God would never. Listen, I love you. God is my personal savior. But at the end of the day, like, he's not so much like your God <laughs> as he is God who reigns above it all, who will not and cannot be told who he is. All that we will ever know about God is not because of anything that we know, but that which he has revealed to us. And ultimately, it's like Harrison. How do I know what God is like? I'm so glad you asked. I believe the clearest way in which we see who God is is through Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1, I'm going back three chapters from where we just were. It says this, as in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So this is a cool verse. This is the New Testament. And so the writer of Hebrews says, In the past, how God spoke to us was through the prophets many times in various ways. Ultimately, what he's talking about here is the Old Testament. Right? In the past, how did God speak? Through prophets, Moses, uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, all of these things. And What's interesting when you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament reveals who God is. But you need to understand this. The Old Testament is not the ultimate revelation of who God is. I'm reading the book of Exodus, and one thing that's cool, um, God speaks to Moses, and he says, hey, your ancestors, Abraham, Jacob, uh, and who's the other one? Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, there we go. He's like, they didn't see the full picture. He even tells Moses, they don't even know me fully. And when you read the Old Testament, it is not the full picture of who God is. But God did speak through it, so there's power in it. But the verse goes on. It says, but, someone say but. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So keep that verse up for a second. I know online is kind of annoying, so it's like blocking right here, but I, I want to see something. So the Bible, if, if you want to understand, what, what's this thing all about? The Bible is not a book about morality. I want you to understand that. Does the Bible talk about morality? Yes. Is it a book about morality, a book of rules? No. The Bible is not the guide to living your best life. Just understand that. Now, do I think that if you get into the Word, you're going to live your best life? Absolutely. But if you want to understand at a bird's eye view what the Word is, can I share what it is? Above all, it is the revelation of who God is. 
That is ultimately what, are there themes? Are there different books? Are there narratives? Are there poems? Yes, but ultimately it is a revelation of who God is. Now back to this verse, this is what it's saying. It's saying the ultimate revelation, because in the Old Testament you get a picture of who God is, but the ultimate revelation is found through Jesus. The clearest picture of who God is is through Jesus. And I love this metaphor that he uses. He says in verse 3, he says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. This is important. Jesus is God. That's what it's saying. But here's the metaphor. Because the sun, like literally the sun in the sky. You guys all know the sun? It's out today. Now, do we look at the sun? Hopefully not for long because you're blinded. Right? Like, oh my gosh. So what happens is all of us, when we are outside, we don't look at the sun, we look at the radiance of it. Right? Everywhere it shines, it brings light to everything. But the radiance of the sun is still the sun. Are you guys following? So Jesus is the radiance of God, but he is not different than God. He is God. He's just the way in which we see God. So point is this. What is the purpose of the word? The purpose of the word. There's power in the word. Here's the purpose of the word. God has made himself known. And ultimately, the clearest way in which we see God, I believe it's through the whole thing, but Jesus actually helps make sense of everything. And so what happens is this. God is revealed in scripture. And so this is crazy. I can actually get to know God. And I can get to know what he's like. Now, do I believe it's the fullness of God? No, because no man can comprehend God. And if you think you can comprehend God, your God's probably a little bit too small. But everything that has been revealed of him is found in here. Now, one thing that I hear all the time, uh, I don't hear it all the time, but I hear it from certain camps. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix, you might have seen it. Uh, they go to great length to let you know the Bible isn't about you. You guys ever heard this rhetoric? The Bible isn't about you. You're not David. You're not the hero. Yada, 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 yada. And ultimately, I agree. The Bible isn't about you. It is about God, first and foremost. But here is the truth. The purpose of the word is to reveal God. Here's where we come in. As God is revealed, I am exposed. As God is revealed, I, I, I could say it like this. As God is revealed, I am revealed. And ultimately what happens is this, and this is the proper way when you read scripture, as God is revealed, holy, perfect, immutable, unchangeable, alpha and omega, beginning and end, as God is revealed, I am exposed to, oh my gosh. And what happens, I love when you read scripture, anytime they get close to the presence of God, the, the, the response is usually the same. Oh my gosh, stay away from me, I'm a sinner. Whoa, 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 don't kill me. Because the closer and the more God is revealed, the more I am exposed as imperfect, as changeable. So what happens, back to Hebrews 4, it says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrows. It judges. I love this part. If you got a Bible, underline this. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. You see, a lot of times we go right to the behaviors and the, the things that I do. No, no, no. 
God, God doesn't care about behavior as much as he cares about the thing behind the behavior, the attitude of my heart. As the perfect character of God is revealed, it penetrates, it divides. Now, there are times when I read the Bible and the Bible tells me that which I already believe. Those are the good times, right? When it's like, do unto others as you would have them do. That's what Jesus says. That's the good times in the Bible. Because it's like, oh, I agree with that. When Jesus says, I don't tell you to forgive seven times, but 70 times seven, I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't like that as much. You see, what happens, again, in the cultural moment that we're in, we always want scripture to line up with what we believe. And so we lean into the stuff that I already believe. But the stuff that kind of challenges me, the stuff that kind of shakes me, the stuff that begins to divide soul, spirit, joint, marrow, that's the stuff I kind of, I kind of back away from. And sometimes I say things like, well, Jesus, Jesus would never say that. Well, that's just, that's just, no. But here's the truth. Because the word is double-edged sword, sometimes I need the word to cut me. Did you guys hear that? Because the word is a double-edged sword, sometimes I need to be cut. And if I am in scripture, if you're in scripture and you're never getting cut, I'd reckon you're probably not leaning in as much as you need to lean in. But, but hear me as I say this. The Bible never cuts to kill, but it always cuts to restore. In other words, what the word wants to do in my heart is open heart surgery. It's not kill me, take me out. It's change everything. Because sometimes my life gets out of alignment. I'll illustrate it like this. Um, you, you guys remember the Nor family? Chris, Kate. Tilly, come on, Jackson, Jeremiah, some of you guys know them, some of you guys don't. Uh, they're in Minnesota, and I know Chris watches, so shout out, Chris, love you. Um, but something happened to their oldest daughter, Tilly, um, in the summertime when they were still here. Uh, Tilly, uh, I think, fell, and she broke her elbow and dislocated her elbow, which is like super sad because Tilly's so cute and full of joy, all these things, breaks her elbow. Now, in order for her elbow to heal, the biggest thing they had to do first was they had to put it back in place. Now, if I, I can't hear too much of the details when they tell it because I get a little squeamish. All you need to know is that they had some trouble getting the thing back into alignment. And so it caused them to be at the hospital for a number of days. But you need to understand something. When it's out of alignment, the doctors will never let it stay that way. Because if it stays out of alignment, it will never heal. Are you guys following? So what happens is this. Sometimes it hurts. Well, not sometimes. I'm assuming all the time it hurts to break something. But what I've heard is that a lot of times what's even more painful than the break is getting it back into alignment. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching. Are you guys following? So what happens is this. A lot of times we pray prayers to God. And we say, God, heal me. God, I'm so fill in the blank, whatever it is. And what happens is that those prayers go unanswered. And you need to understand, it is not because God doesn't want to answer it. It's because the only way for you to begin to be healed is to get back into alignment. 
I will not be healed if I'm out of alignment. And if you want to understand what I believe, if you're not following along, gets you back into alignment, it is the word of God. It's a double-edged sword. And so you need to understand, for too many of us, when it comes to scripture, we avoid the stuff that we think is going to hurt. But we do it to our own demise. Because when we're out of alignment, healing can't take place. And you need to understand something. This is really, really important, and especially in our cultural moment that wants to pick and choose what we believe in the Bible. Everything that God has for us on anything, that even though it sounds hard, even though it might go against the cultural trend, it is always there for our healing. If you want to understand biblical morality, it is this. God wants you to be full. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be healed. And so anything that God tells us in regards to morality is only in order that we would be healed. You see, the more I get into scripture, the more clearly I see who God is. And the more clearly I understand God, the heart of the Father displayed through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the more clearly I see it, the more open I am to the hard stuff. Because then I have this baseline that says, okay, God is good, God is for me. Everything that God has ultimately created started off as good, and in the end, it's gonna be good again. So everything in between, if I put two and two together, is for my good. That's the baseline. But sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts. And I would love to, to tell you that the Bible is going to feel good, and it does. There are times when it feels good. There are times when it affirms us. I'm a child of God created in his image. But one of the things, when we studied Proverbs in the basement, especially because we're 18-year-old stupid guys, we would kind of actually enjoy the pain of the word. Because we would just talk about how, man, sometimes the Bible just slapped us in the face. But it was the only way that God could begin to heal and transform because I was so out of alignment. Now, here's why I got to tell us this as we go into a new season. Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him. Look at this. To whom we must give an account. Now, Here's why as a pastor of this church, I need to let you know that number one, you need to get into the word. I need to let you know there's power in the word and there's purpose in the word, but I also need to let you know sometimes the word hurts and here's why. Because one day I will give an account to God. Today, every day, I have to give account to people in our church. And sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. One of the cool things about the power in the word uh, it is like something funny happens is some people hear a sermon and they're like, Harrison, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh my gosh, you were speaking to me. How'd you know? You were reading my mail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then something else happens sometimes for the very same messages. It's like, I think you were talking about me. And I didn't like that. This is both. Why is it both? Because the word of God is alive and active. But what happens is like, especially for the stuff that might be hard sometimes, it's easy to kind of cave to people because I have to give them accounts all the time. But I must, and I want to encourage all of us, we must keep in mind the long game and the end game. Yeah, I know you keep an account to your boss, to your Instagram, to your friends, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, we have to give an account to God. 
And ultimately, that's all that matters. I will give an account for how I lead my life, how I lead my family, how I lead this church. And I want to be found faithful above all. And I believe the only way I can do that well is to submit to his word. I'm here to shepherd above all. That is my heart for this church, is to shepherd you. And I want to let you know, anytime you're out of alignment as a shepherd, hear me. It's more pain. In the moment, you might not see it. But in the long, it'll always be more pain. And so what I want to encourage us to do is I want to get us into the word. Now, this next part of the sermon, I was going to judge based on time. I feel like I got time for a little bit more. Can I give you guys a little bit more? I'm not going to jip you out first service because second service for sure getting this. So, <laughs> as I say get into the word, I want to give you three enemies of spiritual progress. Three things that keep us out of the word. Now, this comes from the ancient church fathers. They had these three ideas. Um, John Mark Comer in his book also recently, Live No Lies, talked about these as well. He says these are our three enemies of spiritual progress. The word, or sorry, the world, the word is not the enemy. <laughs> the world, the flesh, and the devil. Three things that keep us out of the word, the world, the flesh, the devil. So I want to break these down so as today we begin our journeys to go deeper into the word, you know what we're fighting against. So number one, our first enemy is the world. Now, what is the world? The world is simply this, it is that which is around us. So that's culture, that's media, that's friends, that's jobs, all of these things. Now, the issue with the world and why it was an, is an enemy to spiritual progress is because many times the direction that God calls us to go is counter to where the world is going. Did you guys get that? The reason the world can be an enemy of spiritual progress is because often the word and the world, hear my differences of letters there, the word and the world are often moving in opposite directions. And what happens then is that puts us at odds, but for a lot of people, especially if they're new to church, they hear these cultural rhetorics, i.e. the Bible is old, the Bible is outdated, uh, the government knows best, whatever it may be. That's the issue with the world. 2 Timothy chapter 3, can I give you a promise of scripture? It's not a great one, but it's a promise nonetheless. It says, all who desire to live a, shout that word out, godly life. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, this is not just talking about martyrdom. It's saying all who desire, doesn't say to live their best life, right? It says all who desire to live a godly life. Why does Paul say this to Timothy? He says it because he knows oftentimes the word and the world are in conflict. And so I want you to understand there are times when the word is going to put me in conflict to the world and I'm going to have to decide who am I going to follow. Does that make sense? That's our first enemy, number one, the world. Second is this, the flesh. Now, what's the flesh? The flesh is simply this. It's my own bad habits, right? It's my own worst inclinations. Now, for a lot of us, the reason we don't get into the word, like sometimes you want to blame the devil, like, ah, oh, the devil's keeping me out of the word. No, it's your flesh, right? It's like you were on TikTok last night for two hours watching 20-second videos. I'll put two and two together for us, whether it's TikTok, my enemy, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, Whatever it may be, I want to let you know, watching 
super satisfying 20 second videos has a negative impact on your brain. I'm sorry. It just does. It crushes our concentration. And so some of us are like, I can't get into the word because the, the, the devil's just attacking me. No, it's the flesh. You have horrible disciplines. I tried to wake up this morning. You wouldn't believe what the enemy did. No, you went to bed at 2 a.m. The enemy was sleeping soundly just like you. He didn't, he didn't have to do a thing. So to get into the word, it's going to take disciplines. I started that discipline when I was 18 years old of waking up and getting into the word. I've been doing it now for, for, for 13 years. And what happens is it gets easier. Now, season, I, I tell parents this. With kids, things get flipped upside down. So if you got a baby in your tummy, a couple of y'all, if you don't have good disciplines now, I got bad news for you. They ain't coming when the baby comes. The only reason Christy and I have a spiritual life with four kids is because we had disciplines beforehand. Now, I'm not saying it's hopeless, like, especially like, I got a young baby, I'm done. No, no, start today, right? Today is the day to, to, to begin to discipline ourselves, and we have to starve the flesh, right? Scripture, more than even praying against our flesh, we starve the flesh. That's how we defeat it. Does that make sense? To starve the flesh, better habits. Last one is this, the devil. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, prowls whatever prowls means, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, here's the issue with the devil. Most of us go into two camps. One camp is I give the devil way too much credit. I treat the devil like he's God's half-brother, right? And he can, like, he can do everything he can do. Some of us give the devil way too much credit. Other camp, some of us give him no credit at all. But I think scripture paints a balanced picture it says, we have an enemy that prowls. I've been in this thing long enough, and I can tell right away when someone's like, you got some flesh issues, like you just <laughs> sleep better. But man, like you wouldn't believe the amount of times new believers come to church, start getting into the word, and weird things just happen in their life. It, I can't, it, it blows my mind. Like, I remember that, that our couple, these friends, like, it was within the span of a week, three horrible things happened. And I'm like, this can't be a coincidence because they're trying to make progress. Well, if they're making spiritual progress, what the Bible lets us know is there's an enemy that doesn't want us to have any progress, that wants us to fall backwards. So he says, be alert and of sober mind. So what I'm saying is, understand this, as I try to build disciplines, there is an enemy that wants to wreck all that stuff. So I need to be alert and have sober mind. And so here's where I want to close and land this plane. Because those are the enemies. It's like, Harrison, what are we going to do? Hebrews 4, 14, he says, therefore, back, back to our text. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So here's what he says. Because we have a great high priest, listen to this, guys. Jesus has done all the hard work. The Bible does not save you. Understand that. Jesus saves us. He's done the hard work. But he says, because he has, let us then hold firmly to the faith we profess. You want to know what that language lets me know? Firm. It means I have the ability to, to let go. I have the ability to, 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 to leave it behind. 
He says, let us hold firmly. We know the enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil. Some of y'all didn't need that. You know, like Harrison, I've been trying to get into the word. It's a battle. So my ultimate appeal is this. Get into the word. Start today. Next steps is this. Download the Bible app. Super practical way. If you don't have a Bible, listen to this. Emma is at the info center. She would love to give you a Bible. Just say, hey, I want a Bible. We will give you one. It's not a study Bible, but understand this. The God changed my life with a Bible that had nothing in the margins. Just the word. Did I read it perfectly? Did I read it properly? Probably not, but there's power in it. So we got a Bible for you. But, but here's the two practical ones. If you guys remember, I told you this already. Get into a group. This year, get into a group. There are different groups launching all over this place. But we can have people and we need people that can keep us accountable. Now, not every group is specifically studying the Bible, though lots are. Some, some are doing book studies, whatever it is, but you need not underestimate how important it is to have people that can keep you accountable. They can say, how are you doing? Hey, like, oh yeah, I struggle in Leviticus too. Let me help you out for a second. So please, next week, groups are launching. Join a group. And here's my second thing, and this is a church-wide thing that we're doing. We're starting a course here at church called Foundations. Now, Foundations is kind of like a, a group, but it's a little bit different because it's going to be a ministry of our church. And what Foundations is this. It is a course that I'm in the process of developing. So please, y'all, I need prayer to develop this course. It's crushing my life right now. But it's getting there, and it's going to be worth it because anything's hard. It's always worth it. But we're developing this thing called Foundations. What Foundations is, it is a course that we're going to offer through the church that is going to help you get a solid biblical foundation. We're going to look at big themes, big topics, all of these things. So if you're a new believer, join Foundations. Listen, like join a community group too. I encourage you, but get into Foundations because I want to help you understand the word better. Now, you're saying to yourself, I'm not a new believer. Well, I'll be embarrassed if I show up. No, this isn't a new believer's course. This is a course to build a better foundation. I, told, I was in church for 18 years with no foundation. doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you want to build a solid biblical foundation, I want to encourage you next week, join Foundations. We're going to start. It's going to be eight weeks long, and we're going to give you tools to help you study the Bible better. Those are my appeals because as we go further, as we bring more people to the Lord, we need a church that is rooted in Jesus. And the ultimate way in which we can be rooted in Jesus, because if we're not rooted in Jesus, we can be a church that says, we help people, we heal people. You won't. We must be rooted in Jesus. So those are my appeals. Get into the Word. We got a Bible for you today. Next week, join a group. Get into foundations if that is something that you think you'd be interested in. We'd love to take that journey with you. Because ultimately, here's where I want to finish today. There is a better life. If you've been sitting on the fence, in the pews, and you feel like, man, my life isn't where I want it to be, I want to encourage you, there is a better life in Jesus. It's there. It's open. It's available. The invitation is always there. And my heart for this church, why we're in two services, is we want more people to have space to enter into the presence of Jesus. Can we stand for a second, church? So I want to I want to I want to do something here. This is this is a Holy Spirit moment. 
It's for the Holy Spirit, his word, all of these things. If you're someone and you feel like, man, I just struggle sometimes. I struggle to believe. I struggle to move forward. I struggle to just accept the hard stuff sometimes. I believe and I know that there's a spiritual battle that goes on. So if you're here today, let's, let's every head bowed, every eye closed. You're just saying, Harrison, I want, I want to take that step. I want to be more open to the spirit. I want to be more open to his word, but I struggle. If that's you, if you, if you struggle, come on, I struggle sometimes. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? I would love to pray for you this morning that God would open some things up. So Father, you know our hearts. You see every single hand. There is power in the Holy Spirit. There is power to change, power to transform. There is power in your word. So God, right now, I just pray for a release of your spirit. God, on the strongholds in our hearts, that hold us back, be it our own stubbornness, be it our own hard-heartedness. God, be it this thing inside of us that we just feel empathetic sometimes. And then there's just this thing where like your word rocks our heart and it's like, how do I love people well? I don't know how to hold both these things together. God, if that's in the room today, I pray for your spirit of clarity, of conviction. And God, I just thank you that the word is alive and active. I think that the Holy Spirit has been released. It is alive and it is active in this place. So God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, can we clap our hands today? Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.